business success usually comes to those who are too busy to be looking for it. Join RVK for the award-winning RV on Business Show every Tuesday at 12 midday. It's not about thinking out of the box. There is no box. Only on 101.9 High FM. Welcome to 101.9 High FM. 20 minutes past 12. We are 10 minutes late. Sorry about that, but technology sometimes get in, gets in the way. So let's jump straight into it. Michael Gillen, welcome to High FM. Hi, how are you doing? Thanks for having me here today. Great. Apologies about uh, whatever happened there technically, but let's uh-huh. jump straight into it. I'd usually give you a long intro, but we, we're a little bit out of time. So the, the, the topic that we're going to be discussing today is why one shouldn't hop between jobs, why one should stay with the job that they are currently with and try to build a, build a career. I mean, the title is why quitting is bad for your career. Is that something particularly for 2023 and this milieu that we found ourselves in, or has that always been the case? Yeah, I mean, this this quite quitting trend isn't really new, but it's become topical, as, as you were saying. And I think it really became topical as a result of COVID and the pandemic, because culturally, people's attitude to work transformed. Where we thought we had to work from an office, we suddenly discovered that we can work from home. We can find that elusive work-life balance. And we've seen workers essentially start to question their careers and their values and their priorities. Um, and, and, and that's resulted in, in some people electing to start to quiet quit and check out. So let, let's drill down a little bit. What is this quiet quitting? Yeah, it's, it's essentially when someone, they aren't actively planning to leave their job, you know, but, but they're not engaged. They're not kind of, it's not as important as it once was. So they do the bare minimum of work. They show up, they get the tasks that they need done during the day, but they don't go beyond that. No initiative. It's kind of just let me cruise doing the bare minimum that I can. And the interesting thing is that a recent poll by Gallup estimates that as much as 50% of employees globally have, have kind of transferred into that mode of quiet quitting. Does quiet quitting literally mean quitting or is it also quiet just getting by? Yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's not so much that I've quit my job. It's that I've quit my passion for my job and my company. And as you, as you just said, it's getting by. You know, it's, you know something that we found in big corporates is that all of a sudden during COVID, certain um, um, professions like computer technicians, IT specialists, all of a sudden, COVID became a goldmine because they were able to run two or three jobs at the same time and quite quit all three of them, so to speak, and really cash in. Um, and it was only really picked up by default as the, as time went by. And when they were hauled over the coals, the attitude was, but the job got done. So what's the issue? But I suppose the issue is that the job got done, but there was no passion in the job. Yeah, and you know what that that I mean you talk about that impact on employers. It it it's not only that, but it just ultimately results in 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 this kind of really low output, which impacts productivity and ultimately the business's profitability, which is that thing that sustains the employee. But then of course the fellow employees look and see their employee, the, you know, their 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 kind of 
uh, their, their mate who's working beside them, so to speak, and, and they go, well, you know, why should I try hard? And so it results in low morale and a high staff turnover and a poor work culture and, and those sort of super performers, well, they're under more pressure. And so what does that mean? It kind of starts to land up that the super performers start to get burnout and overworked and unhappy. And, and so it's this kind of endless negative cycle, um, that, that sort of self perpetuates. Let, let's jump to the other side of the pendulum, the employer. At the end of the day, COVID didn't give us choices. We had to do what we had to do. And those employers who weren't quick and weren't proactive and didn't seem to be playing the game were were really picked on and and, uh, incorrectly so in that sense. Some came back very quickly. Some came back more slowly. But how does an employer keep the passion, the energy, the chaos running when you haven't got, you know, as, as Donald Trump said in his books many, many years ago, that being able to sit in your office and just shout out instructions to create that energy. How does one as an employer keep it going? You know, I think that's the single biggest challenge in, in this kind of modern environment that we find ourselves in where so many more businesses are becoming remote and the opportunities to engage with our workforce are diminished because the whole notion of quiet quitting is the quiet part, is we actually don't know unless we're engaging, you know, because that's the problematic Issue. So, so it, it really means that an employer needs to be ever more vigilant to look for those signals of dissatisfaction and to more proactively engage and where a business has a remote workforce to start to put those, those elements and opportunities in place to check in and understand the, the health of the workforce. Because, you know, there's a simple things like you can measure output. But it's a lot harder to measure morale and, and engagement and that sort of thing. And I think if one communicates more and listens and does something with that communication, we, we, we engender trust from our employees. And so there, there starts to become that re-engagement or the opportunity for re-engagement. You know, Michael, we've obviously um, really hit a very topical topic because there's a lot of messages coming in. Simpiwe says, um, I was working from home for many, many months and I was now able to go watch my son's soccer games that I was never able to watch before. I felt very strongly, so just moved messages, that my output never changed because I had my laptop with me and every time something came through, I dealt with it. I also then worked much later in the evening because I had sort of taken off time, he puts an in inverted commas during the day, but I really got berated for it and I felt very slighted by it. I am now looking for another job. What would your advice be? So I think there are two parts to his comment and it's a, it's a superior, thank you, a really great comment. I think the first part is that, that, that the, the sort of how much more some people found himself working and we've seen from a, from a productivity perspective, if anything, the danger in, in employees being, being remote workers is that they tend to actually work harder than they did when they were in an office because they're almost they're on call and, and the danger from a company's perspective is to reinforce that culture because that again leads to burnout. And so I think it's about understanding that there are boundaries, you know, and, 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 and encouraging employees to be able to switch off. You know, I mean, passionate members of teams are always going to go the extra mile and we love them and we, and, and we, and we try and grow those members of our team. But then the second part, some PUS comment, and I think this is where there's the greatest misalignment is 
I think a business needs to very clearly communicate its expectations around, listen, you're, you're a remote workforce, but our expectation is eight to five whilst you work from home. Our expectation and requirement is that between eight to five, you're working. You're not taking your kid to soccer. You know, that, that's our contract. That's what we've agreed to. Or, or a company goes, you know what? We're, at, we're looking for eight hours of productivity from you a day. We'll give you a flexible day. But I think there's that misalignment where employees can tend, can potentially think, well, I get the work done and the company's going, but I expect you to do it be eight, eight to five. And so I come back to that concept of communication. Um, and if communication and expectation management is well, is well handled up front. Then some people would still feel valued by his client, by his company, and 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 hopefully we would looking to be promoted, not you know go elsewhere. hundred percent. Seth has just sent the most hysterical SMS. Yeah. It goes death by Zoom, and then it just copied and pasted it. I don't know how many times. Um, and I suppose just looking at your reaction, we can all relate to that. Is that you know it just doesn't stop. So for those of you who are wondering what we're talking and almost laughing about is that, you know, the, the thing was you would get to the, you would get to work, you would put your bag, your briefcase, your laptop down and you would go to the bathroom, you'd make a cup of coffee, you'd greet people and then you would sit out and work or came in a little bit early, you'd get that done first and then you'll do those little um, social interactions. But there was this energy and you went to a meeting and you came back. Now, there's just back-to-back meetings without a change, a chance to go to the bathroom, and a chance to get a cup of coffee to stretch your legs. And you often aren't an active participant in that, but you demanded that you're in the meeting and your camera is on and you look engaged. And it just becomes absolutely debilitating. Mm-hmm. What are your feelings on that, Mark? Well, I think that that's such a valid point. And I think that you know it comes back to this notion of, we expect our remote-based workers or, or, or workforce to work even harder because they have the privilege of not having to deal with traffic, to be always present and always on. We we literally we literally mind um, our team members by having them sit in successive back-to-back meetings, and we don't understand the fundamentals of human psychology, and that's to understand that first of all we crave connection. So if we have a remote workforce. I think too many businesses are going, well, we've transferred to remote. We still need to be productive. But I think that the challenge is how do we first and foremost, how do we address culture? How do we understand the needs of a remote workforce? How do we ensure that there's connection? How do we create those, you know, water fountain moments, those drinking a cup of coffee and connection moments? How do we build that in? You know, if we're a fully remote business and we're never going to see each other face to face, then how do we ensure that our meetings have time, our, our, our team members have time to actually do work between the meetings, not only have to do it at five o'clock to ten o'clock at night. So I think it's about understanding our our team members and the culture of our business instead of just bashing and demanding. Uh, and again, it goes back to culture and values, doesn't it? And people. Culture and and as you keep saying, it's all about communication, really putting it out there. Someone here who hasn't put his name wants to know um a little bit about your particular company, whether you do consulting because they've got a major challenge in getting people back to work. There's a lot of reticence of people not wanting to come back. And they're also finding that they're not quite sure, his words are, uh, we're not quite sure that we, whether we've been taken advantage of or not by our staff, 
because the work is being done, but we somehow feel that we're not climbing the mountain at the speed we should be doing it. So a couple of comments on that. Firstly, uh, just a humorous uh, anecdote. I, I we, We've gone full remote. And I, I said to one of my colleagues, senior management team members recently, I was thinking of, of where we, we're pretty much based in Cape Town now. Most of my management team are moving down here. I said, I was thinking of getting a small property so we had a place in a workspace where we could meet. And he smiled at me across the screen and said, well, Mike, I don't know who else you're ever going to see there. And he made it very clear to me that actually we're a remote company and we love being a remote company. And so, um, I, I, I think that the, to the, to the comment, I think, I think it, it is challenging to get a workforce to go back to working in an office if they're happier and the culture of the business is happier having shifted to remote. I think there's a lot of challenge around there. Um, um, and I don't, you know, it's business specific and there's a, a high level of complexity there. Do we consult and assist around that space? Yeah, we're an adult learning and, and, you know, and, and corporate consultancy that deals with it, you know, sort of the, the, the big, large corporates. Our business model is we're very passionate about the science of adult learning. We help our clients take learning and really essentially turn learning into one of their most um, strategic competitive advantages. So, so and, and primarily through through distance learning or e-learning. Um, um, and so, yeah, always happy to consult. Uh, hit me up on LinkedIn. Um, um, great place, and I, I love to share knowledge. You know, so I, I'm not always looking to make money. I'd love to share knowledge. Fantastic, Mark. Thanks for that. Um, something interesting else that's come in is this, this particular person saying he has a long, a large unskilled, um, workforce. And he often finds that he would prefer if they went on strike because then he, at least he knows they're not working, but he sometimes feels that they're there, they're working, but there's zero production. How does he deal with that? <laughs> I mean, Oh. This should have been a television interview. Just by yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I'm literally chuckling at my face. <laughs> I think, like, we're starting to talk about business structure and business engineering, and you know, productivity, you know, um, and management, and that sort of thing. I think quiet quitting. The the reason for a lot of quiet quitting and disengagement is around culture and values, and how we communicate and how we appreciate our workforces. I think that 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 the ability to measure performance requires a, a, a significant amount of processes and tools in a business, depending on its industry. So very difficult for me to comment on on what this particular person should or shouldn't do, other than to say, you know, there's 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 you know if he's dark if if they're doubtful, they then you know they need to figure out how they first and foremost trust and then how they measure and you know and engage. There's there's a lot of work to do there that um is out of my area of expertise. Okay. So coming back to quite quitting, um something that I know that, that I had to deal with afterwards was staff who um you know got caught out, so to speak, um, you know, moonlighting on the side. Um, really working from remote instead of being from home, they were in another country and, and we didn't even know. And all of a sudden people are now coming back. How big should the stick be or should there even be a stick when a person walks back into the office? So I think that, I think a stick is a result of a breach of trust 
And and to use the the analogy of stick, I think that you know before we, before we wield the stick, we have to set the rules. And and so again to come back, I think that businesses need to always ensure have they clarified expectations about behaviour and attitude and responsibilities. Have they ensured that their team members know what's required of them? Have they you know ensured that that there's no misalignment of that? Because then. You know, if, if the policy is you cannot work from another country and someone goes to another country, well, that's a breach of trust. Then there is a consequence. And depending on a company's sort of performance management culture, maybe it is the stick, the stick being your fire or your performance management, or it's a gentle conversation. But I think that the challenge to your point is there's, there's never enough expectation management and communication up front. But then if there's a breach of trust and it happens, there are people that take advantage then yeah, there needs to be consequence, absolutely, because otherwise people see them getting away with it, destroys the company's culture. Fantastic. You know, obviously quite quickly, it's so nice to be able to put a label to the reality that we all experience. Um, and, and again, I, I moved country during um, Corona. Um, it was a tremendous change for me, being someone who always had an open door and people walking in and out and love sort of assisting um, colleagues with challenges and questions that they had, all of a sudden just staring at a screen hour after hour. And um, I interviewed a young um, couple, a young company and um, who was online. And one of their proud things is that they don't own a printer. And I remember saying to myself, I've got to do that. So even though the HP laser is sitting right next to me here, I have made a point of never using it because one needs to get on with new things. So I've I've had to learn how to use WhatsApp, Zoom, Teams, email in a way that's a lot more engaging. And as you keep saying, the more I engage with staff, the more I set clear parameters, the less frustrated I get, the less moody I am, and the less nonsense is created. Because yeah. everybody understands the rules of engagement. Yes. You know, sometimes we say the company's too firm or too strict, but at least you know the boundaries to play in. When you don't know what the boundaries are, then you become very insecure, you become paranoid, and you just actually don't know what to do. And two things can happen. Either you never leave your desk or you yeah. never at your desk. So yes. it really boils down to that. Um, Mark, we need to take a break quickly, but before Craig tells us to go there, let's go back to the the member, the employee who is now quite quitting, but actually enjoys the job, but just feels that they're struggling in this new space. Um, what should their approach be? Who should they speak to? The biggest concern, I suppose, would be, well, if you're not happy, go. And, 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 and that's the, the concern they have. So it's how to broach it. But let's take a quick break. We need to run to the shops. We'll be back with you in a moment. This is RV on Business. Welcome back to 101.9 High FM. On the line with me is Michael Gillen, who's the CEO of GNG Consulting. And we've just had a very interactive, almost dynamic discussion, um, about quiet quitting, which is really where an employee feels that they, just going to do the minimum to get by, not enough to raise a red flag, but not enough to earn a bonus either. And the work gets done, but everybody feels that they're really just not giving it 100%. But now, Michael, 
Well, the bottom line is this, this individual now really just, this, this nonsense is over. COVID is over. Life back to normal. The kids are back to school and they just, they, they want to make sure that their, their, their future is secure and they've been caught out. How do, how do they approach it? So <clears throat> I think that the, the converse of our discussion applies. You know, we, we've been talking about the responsibilities of the employer. And I think, and this, I find every time I'm interviewed, this particular point I'm going to make now gets me burned. And it's simply this. It's, I think that employees need to take responsibility for their careers and not always look for an opportunity to blame their companies or their bosses for their own failures. I think, and I think that's really hard. I think, I think too often, the human condition is to look for blame rather than to take responsibility. So come back to your question. I think again, if an employee is unhappy at work, regardless of the nature of their work or whether at the office or they're at working at home or they've now been asked to come back to the office, it again comes back to communication. Their first responsibility is to communicate, is to clarify what's the new expectation, you know, what's the new level of, of, of sort of performance requirement. But beyond that, it's their responsibility to look for an opportunity to grow. It's their responsibility to learn, to look for an opportunity to keep learning, to improve, to grow their capabilities so they add more value to their business and to be clear about their business's mission and purpose. Because we know that, that through the pandemic, many companies' purpose and mission has evolved, sometimes out of its sheer need to survive, and is to look for that alignment to ensure that they add value rather than to blame. And that's really what it is, because it's almost a nanny sort of thought where I'm the employee, so at the end of the day, everything should be given to me. And I remember the first time I really got involved in corporate, when I was thinking about it yesterday, we had a manager who used this term entitlement. Yes. And I remember thinking, like, what is he on about? And as you stick around long enough, you realize that with every passing year, the level of tacit entitlement just increases. It's not visible, it's not tangible, until you need to draw on it. And all of a sudden, there is the sense of entitlement. And those who perform and those who outperform what their benchmarks are and just show initiative never have to pull that card. But those who are always, you know, skating close to the edge, it's the first card that that does get pulled. Um so maybe just to, to end off, someone who feels that they, they're pulling that card off and I was, I've been here a long time. I'm not growing. I'm not developing. I suppose I boiled down to communication, sitting down and saying, I'm not reaching my potential. What can I do together with the company to maximize that? Absolutely. And, and again, I think it's, it's a shift in mindset from the company's responsible for my growth and, and, and career success to I am. And to your point, Abby, I think that there's two environments. One, what have I done and why am I not getting recognized? And let me talk to the company and find out, you know, what are my opportunities and to get that feedback and to listen to that feedback and then to adjust so that I continue to grow. Or two is to assess, well, is this just not the right place for me? Because the reality is not every environment, not every company is the right place for an employee to be. Some companies won't give them that opportunity and then they have to have the courage to go, you know what? There is an opportunity to grow. Let me look to move on. But 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 the, kind of the foundation of that, again, is individual responsibility rather than blame. Mark, before I let you go, please tell us a little bit about GNG Advocacy. I take it it's a husband and wife team. How did you guys start? What do you do? And how do people 
people get hold of you? So it's yeah, it's more than that. There are there really I have I have four co-founders in this business. My my wife is one of them, and I have two other amazing co-founders who've been been with the business from day one, uh, and 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 then a, a broader team. And we specialize in the area of adult learning. We're at the top end of e-learning consultancies. We work with 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 large corporations to assist them to unlock the potential of their workforce through continuous training and development so that it drives a real return on investment. How do we make the ability to keep learning accessible? You know, adult learners really think about it. We're busy. We've got five or 10 minute opportunities through the day to learn something. So we developed a, a sort of a proprietary learning methodology called content capsules, which essentially we leverage adult learning science by, by building courses that allow learners to, to take 10 minute bites of information through the day, through the weeks to achieve, to, you know, to, to complete courses and they're able to assimilate and apply that information in the business. Um, and that in a nutshell is what we do. And, 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 and just, you know, we, we've been fortunate. We started the business four years ago, right time, right place. And, uh, and we've, you know, we're just having a lot of fun with some amazing corporations out there. Oh, that's brilliant. The fact that you started at the right time, a lot of people <laughs> who started at that time aren't around today. And the exactly. fact that you're having fun and a big smile on your face. Is, is really what makes it worthwhile getting up in the morning. How do people get hold of you? Um, I think the best is our website, ggadvc.com or Michael Gullen on LinkedIn. Um, as I say, um, look for me on LinkedIn, Michael Gullen, uh, G-U-L-L-A-N. And uh, just to repeat, I love to share information. So don't, you know, I'm not, not going to ask. I'm not going to make money out of everyone. I think we've got an amazing community. And there's an opportunity for us to support each other to learn and grow. So, yeah, reach out to me on LinkedIn. Michael Gunnan, thank you so much for your time. And those 10 minutes we missed, I think, were crucial. I would have loved to chat to you later and longer, but um, next time. So look after yourself. Thanks so much for joining us. Everybody, thank you for listening. Craig, thanks for pushing the buttons. We'll speak to you next week.